Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. A lot of the young people, I don't think you've been in my services. Some of you have. How many have never heard me speak before? Lift your hand. Look at this. That's quite a few. Well, congratulations, you're here tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we're so thankful and we're so honored that you love us like you do. We could never repay you. We could just live for you and let you live in us and through us. I pray tonight for every person that's either here in person or perhaps I don't know what they're going to do with these uh, recordings or maybe put them on a podcast or whatever, that wherever our words go, there will be revelation attached to them. And people will begin to understand, at least in part, some more, maybe some less, but to see for truth that there's another world that exists right along with this physical, natural world we live in. So I'm asking you to anoint me and use me to the best of your ability through me, Father. I'm just a yielded vessel to you that you would speak through my lips and touch through my hands. People would be healed and delivered. And I know you've already spoken to me about several that are here that are struggling mentally and emotionally with things that maybe are personal and private, but Father, you're there for them too. And you want to help them. You want to heal them. You want to heal everybody of everything. Because when you died on the cross, you paid the price for everything we would need. And we're so thankful to be gathered here tonight at this camp to hear what you're going to say to us in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You could be seated for a little bit here. Praise God. I'm just, uh, I've been excited for quite a while about coming. And uh, Jordan, you know, my son, I'd like to thank him. My son, Jordan Jacobs, he back there somewhere, There's, uh, wherever he's at, for, for being, you know, in the camp and, and continuing to have camp for people. It's just so important that we have moments like this in our life. You know, we should always take some special time out to do something exceptional. It's never a waste of time. It's never a waste of our money. It's never a waste of anything. It's, it's critical that we do that. And, you know, we, I purpose to do that in my personal life, too. Just myself, just set myself apart, maybe get in my truck and go ride for a couple hours and just pray in tongues. Um, sometimes I listen to teaching, of course, mainly Dr. Dufresne because he was my spiritual father. But anyway, just talking to you here. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. We want to kind of touch base with this. We're going to see how this comes out tonight. I, I believe it's going to be very worthwhile. Now, you know, I'm a prophet, so I'm not bragging about that. I'm just trying to fill you in. I'm not a pastor. I can teach, but my teaching has shifted a lot different than it used to be because I used to strictly be a teacher. And we get you up here and just wear you out teaching, you know, 35 scriptures an hour and a half later. And that has its place when you're called to do that. But when you're called to do what I'm called to do, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so I've had to change my approach. And because God put a healing endowment in my life, and he has anointed me many years ago, I mean many, many years ago, 
in the gifts of the spirit, like discerning of spirits, where you see into the spirit world from time to time. I'm not bragging about anything. If I share these things with you, it's because God wants me to share that so you understand there's another world. I mean, you're looking at me, but you're looking at my body. If I could jump out of my body and stand next to me, you'd still recognize me. If there's a spirit world that is encompassed right around us constantly. Angelic, that's, I'm talking about good angels and evil spirits. The evil spirits try to influence us to do wrong things, to get involved in wrong activities, to yield to the wrong things, get with the wrong people, be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I used to be a drug addict. I know what I'm talking about. And then the angels come along to protect us and preserve us and help us and keep us alive and keep us delivered. And we're going to talk about some of these things that I've seen over the years. Not to brag about it, I didn't ask for any of it. I was just a burnout drug addict, <laughs> lost 80 pounds shooting dope, and my mind was gone. My body was shrunk up quite a bit back then. <laughs> I'd lost 80 pounds shooting speed, because you don't eat when you do speed. And I, I, I finally came to the Lord, and he saved me. I didn't have any idea what he was going to do with me. I thought he got the short end of the stick for sure. You know what I mean when I say that? <laughs> He wasn't getting a bargain getting me, but I sure got a bargain in getting him. Hallelujah. So we want to talk tonight a little primarily about angels. I'm going to intertwine some other things in there. In fact, I want to just say this right now because God just keeps bringing this up. Uh, This would have been 1978 to 82 when I pastored in Otisco, Indiana. It's not really too far from this camp across the fields. And I was praying deliverance for some people. And Dale Tillett, he, he's not here tonight, is he? But he's been with me 40 years, one of my dearest friends. He's ministered with me and prayed with me probably more than any human being on the planet. We were praying for this lady about deliverance. And I commanded the devil to come out of her. And the devil came out of her and took two steps and looked around at us and went right back in her. Now, you couldn't know that unless you had discerning of spirits, which allows you to see, or the word of knowledge, which I also operate in, but I don't see things with the word of knowledge. I know things by the word of knowledge. So are you listening to me? So I'm not breaking up. And what is discerning of spirit? It's a gift that comes from God. It's not my gift. And I'm not walking around every day seeing devils and evil spirits. Thank God. I don't know if my mind can handle all of that. Nor do I walk around seeing angels all the time. I see a lot more than I used to and know a lot more than I used to. And I'm going to share with you about some of the major visions I've had to show with you that they're involved in your life. They want to be much, much, much more involved in your life. I know if I said, if you believe in angels, everybody say, yeah, amen, praise God. And then if I got you to the side with the mic and said, when's the last time you sent an angel on any assignment you're you're aware of and saw results? Well, uh, uh, I don't know about that. Well, then you don't believe it. You just mentally assent that that's in the Bible. I'm talking about angels that will work with you and for you and help you achieve things that you can't achieve without them. And back, back to this thing about discerning a spirit. So this evil spirit came out of this woman, went right back in her. 
So here's the key. I saw that the devil obeyed my authority, but he was left an open road to get back in this lady. So I said to her, you got some problems, lady. And she got a little huffed up on me, you know, a little bit. And, well, I said, well, listen, you're either going to have to tell me what it is and repent of it or just leave right now because I haven't got time to fool with you. I've got 10 or 15 other people to pray for. So either let's get with the program or you could just leave. You know, you be, if people want to keep their devils, they can have them. I don't know why you'd want one. Whatever kind of devil it is, its ultimate intention is to destroy your life, destroy the way you think, destroy what you want to do for God, and make you shipwrecked. She finally said, well, it's my husband. I said, what about him? She said, I, I hate him, I, I, and I'm, un, I don't, I'm not forgiving him. I said, well, then you're going to have to keep this devil. I'll see you around. Go on. She said, no, I want to be free. I said, well, if you want to be free, you're going to have to pray, and you're going to have to mean what you say if you're going to pray with me. She said, I'll pray with you, Pastor. I said, okay, Father, I forgive my husband. Father, I forgive my husband. You know what happened when she said amen? That evil spirit came right out. I didn't have to say to him, go again. He, he knew he had to go because he had no open door because she got unforgiveness out of her heart. That's been brought up so many times this week. I thought I'd share that little moment. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. So that's from the evil side of things we might say. Let's read here Hebrews 1.14. He's talking about angels here. We, we, we're not going to just teach, teach, but I do want to talk to you about some important issues. It says, are they not all ministering spirits? This is referring to the angels listed in verse 13. Are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? We would read it this way today because this was written 2,000 years ago. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation? How many are born again? And you're an heir of salvation. Rift your other hand a minute if you, don't, if you could. Father, we thank you. Let's say it together. Father, we thank you, Father, we thank you. that we're heirs of yours. We're heirs of, we're heirs of salvation. We're heirs of salvation. And, we're and we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And what you did, Jesus, we can do too. Because you said we could. Amen. Praise God. Now, I want you to see this. This is so important that the angels all have ministries. I, I, I don't know why I had this vi visual in my mind when I first started studying this. And I've been studying on angels since 1980. So I think that's 41 years. I'm not new to this subject. I've studied every scripture in the Bible on angels many times over. And I'm still learning. But my point is, all the angels have ministries. They're not sitting around picking guitars and eating grapes in heaven. The angels I'm talking to you about today don't even live in heaven. They live here on the earth with us. You won't need angels in heaven to protect you. There's nothing there to be protected from. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, these angels, large contingency of the angelic host, there are angels live in heaven, but I'm not so concerned about them. I'm not there yet. And you're not either. You're in the planet called Earth. And they are in this planet to what it says to minister for us who are the heirs of salvation. They want to help you live. They want to preserve your life. 
Every day you get up, you should say, Father, I thank you for the angels that have charge over me today to keep me safe from all injury, harm, and destruction. And then you have to mean it. You know, I didn't learn everything I'm teaching you in a week. I didn't even learn it in a decade. I've been at it for 41 years. On this subject alone, 41. The other subjects, maybe a little longer. Deliverance a little bit longer, maybe a year or two more. But anyway, nonetheless, I'm saying you can learn just like I learned. I never said I was the smartest tool in the toolkit. But I just stay with things that work. And then when I had children, when they're young, they could be with me. I could take care of things. But as they got older and they could drive a car and stuff, I had to believe God that he would take care of them. And when I say he, I mean the Lord, but I'm primarily talking about the angels. And he's done that. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me read you something here. This came as a prophecy from Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. He's in heaven now. What a great man of God. He said this, was, this prophecy was given in 1988. But you know when it's the word of the Lord to a group of people, it's forever. You can read it again and again and again and again and still get new life coming out of it. Listen, the culture of our day is get it quick and keep it and never change. We've got to get a hold of something and stay with it long enough to get revelation on it. But he says here, they'll learn to walk in the spirit, that is the body of Christ, us, me and you. They'll learn to join forces with the forces of heaven. And the angels will come and minister unto them. I wonder if you've ever had an angel minister to you. I have. I've had a minister to me. You know, I was an ex-drug addict. I told you that I have hepatitis C. I think that's the deadly one. And uh, I was going to a doctor. I, I had it when I back when I was a drug addict, and then I got healed, and then I had some blood problems in about 2000, maybe 2002, I don't remember. And the doctor called me at home because it, he called and said, this is serious, Michael, I need, you, I, need to give you some, I need you to give me some more blood. Your blood's all messed up. I said, well, just tell me what you think it is. Well, I don't know, but it's serious, and you need to come back in immediately. I said, well, I'm going out of town this weekend. I'll, be, I'll come back Monday and give you all the blood you want. I was going to listen to Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father. The phone call from the doctor came on Thursday. I flew out on Friday and got in the Friday night meeting, which was the first night of the meeting. I was about 10 rows back in a church in um, Alabama. Dr. Dufresne got up to speak. And he kind of, he called it looking for a place to land, kind of get up, and he kind of hem-hauled around a little bit, and then he fell into a trance. He didn't fall off his feet, but he just stopped. He just froze. And he just stayed that way for about 20 seconds. And he went, Pastor Jacobs, where are you? I said, I'm back here, sir. He said, stand out in that aisle. Now, he doesn't know, he doesn't know anything about me except what he is seeing or heard in that vision because I did not call him and tell him that I had that problem. And my doctor didn't even know him, so he didn't call him. And he said, the Lord shows me you got something wrong in your body. I said, yes, sir. I know you believe in angels, and he kind of chuckled because he knew I taught a lot on angels and believed in them and seen a lot of them. He said, there's an angel standing behind you. He's going to come to fix that. By that time, that angel hit me in the head, and down I went. And I just laid out, sprawled out right in the middle aisle there. And I got up, got back to my seat, went back to the doctor on Monday, took the blood. He called me two, two or three days later said, I don't know what you did, but your blood's perfect. 
And see, I'm talk, this is what I'm talking to you about. If I, if I seem to be nonchalant about it, that's not my heart. I'm just more aware of this than average Joe. And that is keeping yourself in the supernatural. You're not going to make it in this planet without supernatural. And I don't mean just quoting the verse. I mean knowing something about how to walk in it and how to get God to help you in that other realm. I had a spiritual father that heard from heaven and God saw to it that he found out about me without me writing him a note. I wouldn't have been ashamed to do that if I could have got the note to him before he got up to preach. I'd say, please lay hands on me and pray for me. I got a problem with my blood, but I didn't even have a chance to write him a note. Are you listening to me? I hope you are because I'm trying to help you. And the angels minister with me in my ministry, my healing ministry. It's a predominant thing. Many times I see them, sometimes I do, and I don't mention it right at the moment. And other times I do, it's up to me to whether I feel I should or not. Some people are already confused, I don't want to confuse them further. But they work with us, and this is what Brother Hagin said, the angels will come and minister unto you, and the angels will come and minister with you. And so I'm just saying I have that in my mantle, in my anointing, I didn't ask for that either. This just came bit by bit and piece by piece. How many are listening to me? It came a little thought at a time, another verse at a time, maybe four or five verses at a time, maybe getting in a different meeting with Dr. Dufresne at different times in his life and my life and getting more insight into this realm. So we're talking about something that's very important. Then I want I just tell you, I'm going to just tell some stories, then I'm going to talk about some of the visions I've had. Does that be okay? You're not going to get this on Fox News. You're not going to get this on some Christian program, probably. You might. It'd be rare, but... Okay. Not bragging, just talking. I don't have a lot of people to talk to about this because I've read 100 books on angels and I shredded 97 of them. I only kept three and one of them's my own. That's what I think about what preachers write about angels. They don't know what they're talking about. I was in Mexico. I've been in Mexico many times in my life, probably 50 or maybe 70. And I was at a town called Manzanillo. It's down on the beachfront. And uh, we, pre- we went down there to minister in a ladies' church, Maria Rancun, and I was up preaching on angels, had a word of knowledge about hearts, heart issues. Philip, were you with me on that trip? Anybody that went to that trip of our youth group here tonight? Oh, look, all these people were there. Anyway, I had a word about heart. I said, if you have heart problems, you know, your pumper, cardio, come up here as eight people came. I started with this guy on the end. I laid my hand on his head, but when I laid my hands on his head, an angel that works with me came around this side of my body and stuck his hand in his chest (laughs) about that far. And it looked like, from my eyes, like he's working with a safe, like one of those safe locks. And what he's doing is he's fixing that man's heart. And when I took my hand off his head, he pulled his arm out. Next one was a lady. I laid hands on her. I said, Father, I pray healing to this heart. Angel came out, stuck his hand in her. And he fixed whatever, all eight of them. And I didn't say a word to any of them publicly about that because I don't know if they seen it or if they'd be freaked out if I said, you know, an angel's got his hand in your heart, in your chest. They may think this guy's a lunatic. But the lady, the second person in line, happened to be a female, and she ran to me after the meeting, 
ran up like this, said, did you see that angel put his hand in my chest? I said, did you see an angel put his hand in your chest? <laughs> I just played dumb with her to see if she really, you know, seeing. Mm -hmm. She said, yes, I did. And I said, well, what happened when he got done? He fixed all the issues. Wow. He fixed her. I bet you didn't know they fix heart. They're good cardio doctors, cardiac doctors. They do a lot of things. I've had them put new heart in, in a lady. I, I have the medical report at home. She was over 30 years old. A de deterioration of heart where she couldn't function. She couldn't even walk to the end of the driveway, she told me. She couldn't get back to the house without falling out in the grass and having to crawl in the front door and sometimes lay on the carpet until her husband got home to put her up on the couch or, you know, take care of her. I prayed for her one Wednesday night in 1995, teaching on angels. I said, in that particular night, it was just a stream anointing on me. And I said, I don't care what you have wrong with you, get up here. And normally I didn't ask anybody what they needed that night. I just went down through there in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. That's how I minister, typically, unless I have something. I got to this lady. I said, Joyce, what do you need? She said, I need a new heart, Pastor. I said, let it be so, Father, and tapped her in the forehead and went on down the line. She fell out. She told this later to me. She said, energy invaded my chest. That's what she called it. She was really talking about the anointing. After I could get up, I went back and sat by my husband. He said, what is that coming out of you? What is some kind of power on you. She said, well, it must be the anointing of God. I feel energy inside here around my heart. So this stayed on her, she told me later, for two weeks, every day and night. And she said, I went back to my regular doctor. He checked me, said, Joyce, I think you need to go to the cardio people, cardiac doctor. She had a heart doctor. She went back to him. He took film. He did, I don't know, echocardiogram. I'm not a medical doctor, but all the test you go through to figure it out and he took her in a room and you know how they take a piece of uh, looks like a film and you stick it up you can see it and then a, and he did that and he did that and he said Joyce come here this is your heart a month ago this is your heart today and they're not the same heart how did you do that <laughs> well she didn't do it neither did I an angel brought a heart and put it in her oh yeah there's lots of things can happen. Let's, let's go over here to, uh, let's go to Colossians. Go back to the left. Or you could just take notes or you could just listen if you like. I mean, you know, we're not trying to pressure you to take a lot of notes. But if it just listening to me helps you better, then just listen. I just want to get some truth over to you that angels are real. And every one of them that's ever spoke to me in my life, I'll be 72 in about six weeks. They called me by my first name. I never got introduced to them personally, but they knew who I was. They said, Michael. I said, yes. <laughs> and I'll tell about some of those in just a minute. And they know your name. And they know where you live and what kind of family you live in. Good or bad or indifferent. But they're here to help you. Yeah, and you know, if your parents aren't real spiritual, you don't need to go home and tell them I taught all this. It might blow them out. I'm just being honest, but this is available to you. Listen, you're not going to earn it. You're not going to, you've got to be a good boy and a good girl for a year and maybe get a little activity. You're going to have to believe what I'm teaching you. And tonight you can start by believing you have an angel assigned to you and he is assigned to you for life. Yeah. Now, I have other angels that work with me. I mentioned this earlier in the healing ministry. 
and they're not all the same. One of them only does one thing, and he works on lungs. He's got a finger that lights up like, looks like a laser, and he puts it in somebody's chest and goes like this, and he erases all the dirt and all the gunk, and if it's cancer or whatever it is. I was in uh, Costa Rica. I've been to a couple county fairs and a hayride. And a couple weenie roasting. I think I was the weenie they were roasting. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But there was a young boy there, the, the grandson of the man that invited me to come preach. He's nine years old, and I preached on angels. And, it, and I'm not making fun, but this is the way he would breathe. He's nine years old. He'd go... And I had a word for lungs. He got in the line. An elderly lady, she was 70-something, and he got in the line. He's nine. And when I laid hands on him, I said, to, hey, that's Angel. He's, he's working on your lungs to this elderly lady. I got to him. I said, son, that angel's working on your lungs. And we had a morning meeting that morning, and he went home with mom and dad. And they were standing around eating lunch, and they looked over in the corner. Let's call him Jose. That's a good Mexican name. Jose, what are you doing? And this is what he did. Mama, I'm breathing. I'm breathing. And she came back that night and said, my son was born with a, a deformity in his chest cavity that pressured things and put things against his lungs where he had to fight for every breath. And all that got straightened out. <laughs> yeah. He breathes as good as me and you can. Yeah. These are things I didn't read about in somebody's book, and I'm not trying to entice you. I'm just trying to help you to see there's all kinds of people who need all kinds of different things. He maybe didn't need his leg lengthened. He, he maybe didn't need a spinal problem issue. I've had a lot of angels help me with scoliosis of the spine, where the spine, the spine is either curved in or curved like that. It causes all kinds of back problems. I had one lady in Peru, she was from Canada, but she was in Peru when I was in Lima, Peru, and I preached this, and she had a tumor on her back, and she said, I had, she said I had scoliosis. Last night when you prayed for me, I didn't feel anything. And listen, you don't have to feel anything to receive, but the most important thing I can tell you is you get up here tonight if you want me to lay hands on you, even just to be refreshed if that's what you want, or you need healing, or like I said, several of you, I'm not going to point you out. But you've got some mental issues. And it's probably not you, the person sitting next to you. No, I'm just teasing. Listen, everybody has problems if they don't figure this out. Or emotional instabilities. And the Lord knows how to help us. I've, I've been in several mental hospitals. I once as a patient, when I you know, was in the military and got, I got busted for drug addiction. And then I've been in there other times to pray for people, and they, they got out when I prayed for them just a few days after I prayed for them. Amen. I didn't tell the people running the mental hospital, I'm going there to cast the devil out of the guy in 3A. <laughs> yeah. Or the girl in 12B. But if they let me and they listen, I could get them delivered. Every single time if they listen. See, people don't want to listen. And, you know, I'm not trying to get you to listen. I'm trying to get you to listen to what I'm teaching because right. it'll help you. <laughs> what was I saying a minute ago? Anybody remember? Huh? 
What did I say? Which, which, which? Colossians. Oh. You mean I left that sitting there that long? Man, I might need help tonight. I forgot all about that. You know, anymore I get going like that, I go down story after story after story, not trying to impress you, but it just jumps around like that when I start down through there. And then I think, well, where was I? This will help you a little bit here. This is such a... I, I met a, a good friend of mine. Uh, well, he was, wasn't a good friend. He, he became one. He went to heaven though early. But he asked to have breakfast with me one day. He said, somebody told me you know a little bit about angels. I said, a little bit. Uh, what's your question? I could tell you. He said, I want to ask you a question. I said, he said, well, I'm in the ministry. I'm a pastor, but I'm also the mayor of a city. And he said, I have two angels that work with me when I'm in my mayoral office but they never show up at church. What do you think about that? Well, personally, what I'm thinking, I'll, I'll tell you what I think. I think they're not called to help you in your ministry. That'd be off the cuff just knowing them and knowing, knowing what I know. But I'm going to find you a verse that validates that. I'll call you. But if they're called to help you in your ministry, they're going to be at church working with you or wherever you go preach. Sometimes we try to cram everybody in one setting. You know, you don't do what she does, do you? You live in different families. You you live in a different. You live in a. You don't all look alike. You got different color eyes and hair and builds and. See, listen to me. Yes, sir. Angels too. They have all kinds of unusual ministries. I studied recently out of Matthew twenty-eight. Don't let me forget about my friend, the pastor in New Mexico. I'll get back to him in a minute. Now I forgot what I was going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> all different that's what I want to say they're all different they are some of them I've seen you know they some of them have one face some of them have four faces some of them have six wings some of them have four some of them I've seen didn't have any wings when they were talking to me some of them are taller and bigger and larger and some of them are just average and they have different levels of anointing on them Just like humans. Now they're not human. Thank God they're not that flaky. But anyway, how <laughs> they do what they're told. I've never had an angel talk back to me. I, I, that dawned on me a couple years ago. I got excited. I've had all kinds of people talk back to me and lie to me, but they never have. And they do what they're told if what you're asking them to do is scriptural. Now, we're not talking about getting in, get weird and, you know, and don't read a bunch of books about it. If you want to read a book that somebody knows something, read my book. But, but anyway, and we don't cover everything in my book. We just cover the essentials. So uh, let's go to Colossians 1. I was saying they're different. Uh, it says, verse 16, Colossians 1, 16, for by him were all things, and it could read this way in the Greek, all beings were created, Talking about by Jesus, the word, where all beings created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Look at the next three words, visible and invisible. So there are some created beings, namely what I'm talking to you about now, the angels, that are invisible to the natural eye. You know, if, you know I have visions and stuff like that, very seldom ever have dreams, only two or three in my lifetime. 
but I have visions, and they come more quickly now that I'm getting older, because I must need that at times to help somebody. But you would have to operate in discerning of spirits, which allows you to look into that other world. Or you would have to be given the visions, I'm going to talk about it in just a minute, or dreams. Because the angels in their natural habitat, how do I put that, in the natural place that they exist is an invisible realm, not an unreal realm. Let me say it different, it's unseen to you unless you operate in one of those three things. I pretty much can guarantee all of humanity is never going to see much unless God puts his hand on you and opens your eyes to see something. And he could do that just for a one-time event to help you get out of an emergency situation. But for some reason, again, I'm not waking up and having visions every day. I want to I make this practical to you. I'm going to be 72 in a couple of weeks, and I'm probably a total. I've never told every vision I had because it's not necessary. I didn't even want to tell the ones I tell. When I turned 60, which was 11 years ago, God said, I want you to start talking about your visions. And I said, I'd rather not do that. And the reason being, they're intimate with me. In other words, in my thinking, it's something I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't want to talk to openly with a lot of people because it's so intimate in my thinking. It's a holy, it's a holy moment. I didn't try to get in there and see something. I didn't ask to see anything because I'm a faith man. I still don't ask to see anything. Never have and never will. But he saw fit to open the eyes my, my spiritual eyes where I could see things at times and see what was bugging people or maybe see something that was going to help somebody to get them delivered or get them healed or how many are listening? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. A lot of people, of course, from Miss Morgan's teaching in this group. Let me say something to all of you, though. I've been impressed with this group of teenagers and young adults more than any camp I've been to with youth group since I've been coming. You all are more respectful and more reverential than any group I've ever been with at camp. So I'm saying that to your good. Sometimes people don't know how to behave. But anyway, you've done exceptionally well, in my opinion. But I was going to say about Miss Morgan and Amsie, talking about those issues, sexual issues, See, they just mess up so many young people, and if they don't get rid of that out of their consciousness, and depending on what they've allowed themselves to get into, I'm going to deal this with uh, TAC, or allowed themselves to see or permit themselves to engage in, there's different levels of bondage, and sometimes people never get free from that. Some of them get married, and then they're disappointed with that after a little bit, because not that their wife or husband's not adequate, but they're messed up because they're tied to something that happened 10 years ago. And they don't know how to get rid of that, but you can get rid of whatever you need to get rid of. And you'll be a better person, a cleaner person, you know. And it's not that God's putting you down, but he wants your, he wants your minds untormented. The only reason I confronted the lady about an issue is so I could make that devil stay out of her it disturbed me that he came out and he went right back in. 
And I knew, well, that couldn't be me. I commanded him to come out. And he obeyed for a few seconds, but he had an open road to get right back in. And, she, and there wasn't a sexual problem there. She just had a, un, a hardness of heart towards her husband. Anyway. See, the spirit world is more real than this world. And, but I don't know who it was now. I'm trying to remember who preached this. I think it was Candace. You have authority you haven't even thought about yet. All of you. I don't have any more authority than you. By gosh, I know how to use my authority. I'm pretty high-handed on the devil. I don't let him shove. He shoves. I'm going to shove him back and shove until he gets tired of coming. I get tough on him. And he don't like that. And I'm glad about it. See, you've you got to get yourself stirred up. This will come little by little if you'll pay attention and, and get in your Bibles. Get in your Bibles. I got a little mini book I wrote called The Authority of the Believer. Many of you have read other books by other good authors. But you could call us and we, we'd be glad to send you one. Call the office. It's a little mini book. But we're talking here about these created beings and beings that are in the invisible realm unless you have the opportunity to see into that. You don't have to see anything to believe for it. In fact, if you had to see something to believe in it, that's not faith. Because <laughs> what is faith? Faith is evidence of things not seen. And I like to say it this way, as yet, if it's real faith, you will see it, but you won't see it immediately probably. Everybody with me? Well, I'm going to get back to Colossians 1.16. <laughs> so I found this verse later. Now, you know, Ephesians, in Ephesians 6, it's got a verse that sounds like this, but it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, powers of the darkness. It doesn't say that here. It doesn't say we're fighting these powers. So these powers here in Colossians 1.16 are godly powers. And this word principality, what it means, if you break it down, it's a prince or an angelic spirit that's over a municipality if the one in control in that municipality is holy and clean. There's some cities in America I wouldn't live in because they're too filthy. There's some in the cities in America that are just so violent and look like it, the whole thing's going to you know where recently. And that's because people haven't taken authority over anything. You can't let the devil do that. But what I'm trying to show you is these this, And so I said to the pastor when I called him on the phone, I said, these two angels working with you in your government position, that's what their calling is. They're not called to help you as a pastor. But he did eventually figure out he had another angel that was assigned to him ministerially and all that stuff. You with me? But it says here, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and for him. So we see in this, he's breaking down different things, and these are angelic beings that are in the invisible realm, but they have different levels of dominion. Are you listening? All right, let's, let's, let's start down this trail here. I'm trying to get this taught a little bit better. 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 12. In verse 1, I'd like you to go over there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm talking to you a little bit about uh, these visions and talking to you a little bit about being a prophet. 
But it says, verse 1, 2 Corinthians 12, 1, it is, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. This is what I want you to see. I will come, Paul's talking, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So he's talking here because he is a prophet and he is an apostle, he says in one other place, and a preacher, but he is a prophet and a uh, apostle. And normally the visions and stuff typically goes with the prophetic office more than others. That's not to say anybody could have a vision. You could have a vision. I'm not telling you, you can, you can have whatever God wants to give you. <laughs> but I'm just saying typically the pro prophet has more of those types of insights in the body of Christ. And I saw that that's why the Lord wanted me to talk about it. From my standpoint, I thought, well, that, you know, man, I've already been through, you know what, because I took a stand on your word to keep the word before people. And people have hated me for it ever since. Not everybody, thank God, a few people like me. <laughs> but now you want me to get up and tell these intimate moments that I've had with you in that spirit world. And I'd rather, rather not do that. And he said, well, it's either that or else. And now listen to, I want you to understand, if you'll listen to me, I can make sense out of this. God is not threatening me. God doesn't threaten people like that. I love him. He loves me. I was having a discussion with him. He's my father. I'm his son. I have a right to have a discussion with him. You know, if you talk with respect, you can still, but I said, I'd rather not do that. And he said, well, if not, you're going to be in disobedience, and then you're going to be a bigger target for the devil than you already are. That didn't mean the devil could get me. He just means you're going to make yourself a big dog because you're in disobedience to God. And whenever you get in disobedience to God, whatever it is, it may not be a big issue like I'm talking about. Put yourself in my position. How would you like to stand up in front of strangers and talk about stuff like this, thinking they're going to think you're crazy? No, the Lord said, I want you to talk about it because you are one person who has seen a lot in that other realm and had these different visions and I want you to talk about it so people will understand there are other beings in the planet besides themselves yeah. right. that would love to help them a lot of times when I'm talking if I'm speaking to an angel I'm not seeing him I have had some encounters I'm going to give some in a minute but just to speak I say father I thank you today for the angel angels assigned to me I command you to come forth in Jesus name and fulfill the things I've talked to you about based on the word. Are you listening? Yeah. Yeah, just, it's just happening. Praise the Lord. All right, so let's see here. We were at, he said, I'm going to come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now let's go back here to Acts 2.17 a minute. Are you able to follow me so far? I do want to talk about a couple of the visions. I've got about seven or eight written down. I don't know if I'll get to all of them tonight. But at least to give some insight into things here. Thank you, Father. Uh, Acts 2.17 says, It'll come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters uh, shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, this part of this verse here in the Amplified, which is better Greek than this, I mean, this is English, but the Greek New Testament says this, your young men shall have divinely granted appearances. 
In other words, God is the only one that can divinely grant you to see stuff like that. Now listen to me carefully here just a minute. Don't go after seeing stuff because then the devil could accommodate you. He might let you see a lot of things, but it'd all be nothing. It'd just be, it'd just hurt you. But when God chooses to, he lets some of us have divinely granted appearances. Again, I didn't ask for it. I just found this verse later and figured out, well, that's what's happening. He's given me, granting me access to see some things I wouldn't have seen had he not done that. Then let's go over to Acts 26. Hallelujah. And by the way, he didn't mean that every single person was going to have those things, but some might. Now, in Acts 26 and verse 19, I'm going to let you find that passage, and then we're going to get down into uh, some things here that have happened to me over the years that I think will help you. Uh, Paul, he, he's talking here about some things. He, he says, whereupon, O King Agrippa, verse 19 of Acts 26, whereupon, O King Agrippa, he's standing before a king and giving his defense. I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. So sometimes, you know, we need to be obedient. We need to be obedient all the time, but especially if he gives us an assignment like he has me. And he's never told me to share every vision, but these particular ones would seem to help the body more often than not. Now, I'm going to be 72. Uh, I was five years old. When I was three years old, I was a crippled boy. I wore braces. How many have ever seen, uh, what's that show? Forrest Gump. I looked like little Forrest. And I've ha I started to bring those tonight. They're in my office at home. They're about that tall. Shoes are bolted onto the bottom. It's got a thing in the knee so you can bend your knee, but it's got steel up both sides, inside and out, and the strap that goes across my thigh, you get buckles. And I had to wear those, they thought, the rest of my life. By the time I got to the doctor, uh, my mother took me and said, he said, well, Joyce, my mother's name's Joyce, your son has rickets and he has a severe case of it. And I, I'm going to put braces on him because my knees were knocking together on the inside. You know, how many know if you saw a little boy walking and his knees were knocking, that would be something's not right there. Well, my mom took me to a specialist and he said he's probably going to go to that to more severe handicapped stuff later. But that's all I can do for him now. Well, can't you heal my boy? Well, I don't know what I'd do. And uh, finally, you know, uh, he, uh, he said to her one time after I'd been in him for a couple of years, well, I, this is what he said, I could break his legs and reset them, but I'm not even sure that's going to help it. I think it'd do more damage to do that. And she said, well, I'm not going to let you break my five-year-old's legs. Well, as my mother, this is her story more than mine. She's my mom. She said, Father, this is what she told me she prayed. Father, she's a Baptist lady, not Holy Ghost, not Pentecost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I prayed for her one time, God healed her of cancer, but then I couldn't get her to stay healed. She just wouldn't stay with the word. So she had a lot of suffering in her older years because she wasn't receiving. And they're not teaching it down at the Baptist church, right. at least her church. Yeah. So, so she said, Lord, if you'll heal my boy, I'll bring him up in church. That's all she said. And I don't know the timing there. I would say it was about maybe a few months after she prayed that. One, one night I was asleep in my bed and I was awoken. I don't remember hearing noises, but I woke up. I had my own bedroom. I was five years old. My mother had remarried a different man now. My father had left us. 
And this man was named Jack Jacobs. That's why I have his name, to honor him. Because he raised me and he was a good father and I appreciated it. But So I walked to my window and I had a big window in my room. It was uh, probably almost as big as that drum cage, not quite fully, but like two of those panels or maybe three, a flat window in my bedroom. The curtains were pulled. And when I woke up, I, I saw a light out there. So I went to the window and I was probably not quite this far, maybe close to it, about 12 feet away, and there stood this angelic being. He, 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 he was translucent. I could see partially through him to the bushes behind him, and he had a staff in his hand that went about two foot over his head, and he was standing there like this. He looked like a very old man in the face, but there was power coming off of him. I'm trying to explain it. It's hard when you have these experiences. So guess what? I couldn't talk. You know, have you ever read the Bible? Uh, hopefully you've read it, some. And <laughs> there was about 300 references to angels, and almost every single time they show up to humans, they say, fear not. <laughs> because I'm just telling you, I, just, I know what I'm talking about. If you see an angel in his normal place of existence, which is the realm of the Spirit, I've had them manifest to me as humans once too. But this, this angel was in his normal habitat, You've got to have faith or huggies. I mean, they will intimidate you. I used to live with bikers, and they, some of those were rough people, murderers and felons. But they, they don't match for an angel. <laughs> and I didn't feel afraid, but I was just in awe. If you can understand how I'm, what I'm saying here. I'm seeing this being. He's real. He's not talking. He's looking right at me. He's got this staff he's holding on to. And I went and got my mother. I ran into her bedroom, grabbed her arm and jerked it. Like, come with me. I couldn't talk still. And she got out and walked with me. And I brought her back to the window. And she stood there. And she couldn't talk. So what would you do? We just stood there. How long? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have my watch. <laughs> I would guess maybe three to five minutes. Couldn't talk to each other. We looked at each other a few times and looked back at him. He's still not saying nothing. I can remember when I'm telling you about it, I wanted to say, are you Jesus or who are you? See, my mother, my mother's already starting to take me to church because she told the Lord I wasn't healed yet, but he said, if you'll heal my boy, I'll bring it. So she started taking me to church immediately after she made that promise. And it was like this, if I could say it this way. I'm trying to treat it with dignity. It's hard, not, not the dignified part, but to make the thing seem right to you. It was like this power came off him in waves. It's kind of like this. <laughs> Vibrated me like. <laughs> I mean, I'm just standing there. I'm, I guess I'm really in kind of like shock. Because this creature's not talking to me. He's not waving his hands. He's not saying words. But there's something coming off him. Of course, now I know it to be the anointing <laughs> coming off of him and hitting us both. I don't remember us stumbling back, but I remember us standing there holding hands. And after we stood there for quite a while, at least five, six, seven, eight minutes maybe, I don't know, we just went back to bed. That's all we knew to do. What are you going to do if you find an angel in your driveway at 2 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> You're not going to go get coffee with him, I tell you that. But something happened, 
And I don't know whether it was the anointing coming off of him or if after I went and laid down in my bed, listen, he didn't need a window to climb through. He can go through anything. They walk through solid things because they, they can do that. And you will too someday with a glorified body. But anyway, I don't know if he came in my bedroom and touched my legs. I had my braces on because I had to wear them 24-7 except when I took a bath. So I had to have been wearing my braces. But my mother took me back to Barney. Dr. Barney was the head of the Barney's Children's Hospital in Dayton, Ohio. Maybe three weeks later, and the doctor took the braces off and said, Joyce, you got a miracle. That'll make your day, won't it? <laughs> yeah. Played football, ran track. Did all the things normal boys do. Rode motorcycles, some different things. Got in trouble some. Anyway, God bless me. So that was 1954 when that occurred. And it just stays with me when I talk about it. It's just like I'm right back there in Springfield, Ohio, at that window looking out and seeing this creature. Now, this sounds funny, but I did, I, when I began to study on angels later in life, I never thought about asking God about that angel in the driveway until maybe 10 years ago, and I just got it in my crawl. I said, Lord, now, you, got a, uh, you gave me a personal angel, and he said, yeah, that was him in your driveway that day. Hey! <laughs> I like that. Hallelujah. So let me, let me move on a little bit here. Let me go to 19. Uh, uh, let me see here where do I want to go. Let's, let's go. let's go to the book of uh, Revelation chapter 8 a minute. My, my, you know what? I've been going a while. You guys draw it out of me. Now, all this teaching should prepare you when you get up here and just lay hands on you, just receive it. Whatever it is you're coming for. Chapter 8 of Revelations. Uh, this is more about my personal life when I was a drug addict. I was in California. Several of us went to California. You know, we were just drug addicts, you know, and we were not very uh, good people. But so we ended up in a tenement house, and we all went in a little bathroom to shoot up. And I was the last one of the six of us. And um, I had had a dream. See, I said I had a couple dreams. I had a dream back in 71, in the summer of 71. I saw myself sitting on a toilet, not using it, shooting dope. I saw myself tie myself off and do the needle thing, and then the cockroach went up the wall. And now I'm in a tenement house in California, never put the two together until I went in to shoot up. I'm the last one of six. And I do that, and the cockroach goes up the wall. I'm talking about a really funky place. I counted cockroach bites on one leg. I had 55 bites. It was a bad place to live, bad place to do anything. It was just, we were bad, and it was bad. But anyway, I'm in there. And uh, let me read this scripture, and then I'll tell you the remainder of the story. Uh, verse 2 here, I saw seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Some of them play instruments. Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. This is a different angel doing a different thing. He's got a censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints. That's saints in the earth too, you know. 
upon the golden altar which was before the throne and his smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand and the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and cast it into the earth. So this, you got to get this, this angel's got this censer he's carrying around. He puts incense and he puts the prayers that have come up to the throne room in there with the incense so it'll smell good. And then he throws that back into the earth. And notice this, it says there were voices, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Well, in my situation that, that day, I'm sitting there and that happens. And all of a sudden, you know, it's a, it, it is just a bad place to stay. My knees were up against the edge of the bathtub. There's a shower curtain. All of a sudden, it disappears. And I see my life on film, like I'm sitting in a the theater watching myself. And it wasn't a pretty picture either. And it started running like that. And the Lord said, Michael, this is what he said, Michael, your, your life is going down the toilet. Michael, come home. Now, why, how I knew that was God, that was a miracle too. Because, you know, I'm in there to shoot dope and get high. That's what, I'm not in there to pray and intercede, worship. <laughs> Let's get all that straight. See, sometimes you try to figure God out with your head and you'll have a brain problem. You get a Charlie horse in your brain, you're in trouble. You can't figure God out with your little brain, and I can't either. But he visited me, and this is what I saw. <clears throat> My mother, she was a strong prayer person when I was a young man, and she told the intercessors at the Baptist church about me. And she said, Michael's carrying a gun, and he's going to get killed or kill somebody sure enough, pray for him. And so this older group of men and women in my church, Baptist church where I grew up, remember my mom raised me in church? But I'm way away from that now, you know that. I'm 21 years old. Haven't been in church since I was 15. I don't want any more of that. And my mom probably could have whipped me, but she didn't. I mean, she was a tough gal. And I never went to church again until, I'm going to tell you, so... I'm sitting in there and all this is happening and I go back in the other room and I start preaching to all these guys that just got off on their dope and I'm messing them up. I'm not fighting physically, but they said, man, you're bringing us down. Shut the something up. And boy, they went off on me. And I said, well, bring it if you want. You're man enough to take it. Come on, take it. And I preached. I went off on them for 20 minutes. And I'll tell you what I said. I said, I can't live like this anymore. I can't live. I can't live. We've buried five of our friends in the last year. Three of them shot to death, two of them overdosed. Gentlemen, I can't live like this. I refuse to live like this anymore. I'm going home tomorrow. I had an experience in that bathroom. Oh, you just got some bad dope. I've, I've shot bad dope. I know what bad dope feels like. That's not bad dope. This is not bad dope. This is an experience I had with God Almighty. Of course, they made fun of me and all that. Didn't bother me a bit because I know they're stupid. <laughs> Just a few minutes before that, I was as stupid as they were. And I only got one little verse to go on. He said, Michael, come home. But he knew me and he's telling me to come back home. And I knew when he said that, come back home to where my mom and dad lived. And so I ended up at the Baptist church and saw this little girl, you know, she's a senior and I'm 21. Of course, I'm a town drug dealer and her parents didn't like that. You know, normally your parents wouldn't like it if your daughter went out with a drug dealer. I'm not dealing drugs not that right then because I'm out of money and out of dope. <laughs> Pay attention to me. 
Let's get real. But she was cute enough. They said I could go to church with her. So she invited me to go to this youth revival meeting with her brother-in-law preaching. And I went with her. I'm so glad I went. I'm sitting there. I don't even know what the guy preached. I wasn't high or anything, but I just, you know, I mean, I'm really interested in her, I thought. And the, the guy preaching said, I want you to bow your head and ask God if you know him. And so I said, Lord, do I know you're not? I went to church from 5 to 15. I walked the aisle and prayed with some preacher and got baptized in water. No, you don't know me, Michael. You know about me. That's your problem. But if you'll come forward tonight, so Jesus told me, if you'll come forward, I'll put your life back together. And oh my, has he ever done that? I'm telling you. Man, my life changed forever. And I showed up next Saturday to take her somewhere, and she bought me a new Bible and said, get out of my life. <laughs> and you know, she was a smart girl. You girls pay attention to what I'm saying. You know, you don't need a guy like me very long in your life because there's going to be problems. Back then. But then I met the love of my life back there, Pastor Diana. Hallelujah. I don't care what she said, it's right, whatever she said. Yeah. Yeah, I just needed her to get saved that night. That's all I need. Right? Yeah. Then she got saved right before we got married. Hallelujah. But see, these voices came out of the prayers of the saints that were praying for me. I needed to hear something. And God spoke to me. I've been going a while here. Let me, let me just, let me maybe share at least one more one more uh, incident that be helpful here. 1983, now I started studying angels in 80. In 83, I got invited to do a three-day seminar on them, on the subject of angels. And I'm over at the church there where I'm going to preach, and I'm down in the basement. A little, they had a little radio room that was soundproofed. And they said, why don't you go down there, Michael, and just pray. And when you're done, just come on up and come on in to service, and we'll turn it over to you. That'd be great. So I went down there and they had a chair and a desk and a lot of electronic equipment for radio taping. And I just knelt down by that chair like this and I said, Father, I pray that you would use me tonight. Help me to speak and minister. Whatever I said back then, that's a long time ago. That was 1983. And all of a sudden I came out of my body. I came up out of my body, and the angel, one angel's over here, and one grabbed one arm, one grabbed the other, and they were keeping my body functioning because I was gone. Where'd you go? I'm not sure. I was in a little teeny closet, a type room. There wasn't much in there, just one desk and some equipment and a chair, and I ended up in a big room, bigger than this room we're in tonight, but about this big and maybe twice this big, and it was filled with angels. You know, I, went, I didn't have any pre-something that was going to happen. I don't know about you, but that was kind of weird. And the one angel that pretend I'm, I'm, I'm kneeling there like I was when in the vision, he said, Michael, called me by my first name, knew me. He said, we're all excited you're teaching about us. We've desired to be involved in the body of Christ, and they won't let us. And then, boom, all of a sudden, his hand went back. He stepped back in line, and I'm 
went back in my body. Oh, my. Did you tell the people that night what you saw? No. <laughs> I didn't bring that up for quite a while because yeah. it was so new for me. Yeah. Other than the thing that happened when I was five, I knew it was real. I just didn't know how to f- compute it. Didn't know where to put it in my brain or my heart. I just knew it was real. And so every time I preach about them, they're still excited I'm teaching about them. Yeah. I saw in that situation, this, that, that, that particular vision, they were so eager. I, I, I don't know how to explain that. They weren't in running clothes like you think you're going to run a marathon, but they were eager and ready to go help the body of Christ at a split second. But, he's, but the angel said, we're excited you're teaching about us because we've desired to be involved in the body of Christ. If you're saved, you're in the body of Christ. And, and then he added these four words at the end, and I didn't realize what he really said for two or three more months. They won't let us. In other words, you have more authority than you thought by that, that, that revelation right there. They won't let us. If you forbid them, they're not going to help you. If you make fun of them, they're not going to help you. If you talk wrong, they're not going to help. Now, there's another group, demonic group, if you talk wrong. You talk about your lack, you talk about your weakness, you talk about your problems. Then the devil will accommodate that. The only thing holding you back is you. The devil can't if you refuse to let him. He don't have your authority. I don't see you. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That means you got the same authority. I got the same authority as Jesus. Yes. If you learn to use your words right, you can dictate whatever needs to be done. Now, there's challenges come to the things I'm teaching. Don't misunderstand me. But this is the way you begin to have some victory in your life. Yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So they're still excited when I'm teaching about them. And they're still desiring to be involved in the body of Christ. I watched TV a while back, a preacher, I won't mention his name, famous, got a big sanctuary, always filled with people. Or they got telescopic lenses, one or the other, or they're lying about it. (laughs) No, I'm serious. And he was teaching on angels, and I thought, well, let's see what he knows. I mean, it just seemed like you ought to be able to give me a cracker with a piece of cheese if you know anything. You sound kind of hard. No, I'm just right. When you're going to talk about something I know about, I'm going to judge you whether you know what you're talking about or you're just full of BS. But he sure enough was full of BS. Went through the whole sermon, didn't give people any, any kind of constructive way to get these angels working with them. Zip your Bible, go home, kiss your wife, play with your kids, whatever. I don't know. That's the church today. It's not the real church of today, but it is a church of today. Then I heard another well-known man. If I told you his name, you'd know him too. On deliverance. And, and he's got, I mean, he's in the Coliseum. There must have been 20,000 people. I'm thinking, throw the net, brother. They need deliverance. Throw it. And he got to the end. Same thing. Just petered the whole thing right out. Just dropped the bottom out of the whole message. I'm not impressed with stupid stuff like that. I never was and I never will be. You've got to help people get a hold of something. Yeah. 
You can do it. You say, well, I'm only 13. I'm only 21. I'm only 36. Hey, I'm only 71. I'm still learning. I don't know about you, but I'm still studying and reading and meditating and talking to the Father. Is there anything I need to know about anything about this? That I'm, you know, digging around in the scriptures. I'm not mad at people. I'm just mad at people that don't teach us anything when they should. So, praise the Lord. We could go for five hours, but I haven't got that amount of time to do that tonight. So, but listen, what I want to do. I'm thinking about the book of Acts, chapter 12. You know, Peter was in prison, the Bible says, and they were going to execute him in the morning, and he's sleeping soundly, so sound that the Angel has to slap him on his leg to wake him up. You know, you've got your cares rolled on the Lord when you can go to sleep and sleep knowing they're going to execute you in the morning. But an angel showed up. He's, got, he's chained to several guards laying there asleep. The angel slapped him and said, put your shoes on, we're ready to go. And he got up and the Bible says the chains fell off of his hands and feet. You know, sometimes you have chains on you. You can get those things to fall off of you tonight if you want to. You don't have to go on in chains. Any chain. You know, if you're chained to the wrong person, dating the wrong person, I'd sure get out of that. Before it turns into something that's disastrous. There are people that love God a lot. But here's the thing. You just got to make a decision to move forward. I don't think Joe Reuter's here tonight. How many know Joe Reuter? He's a, he's a trip. He said, I was hooked on everything but phonics. I was too. But he's put the chains off of me. Not all in one day, but little by little as I began to love him more and worship him more and come into his presence more and talk to him about things. So stand up with me if you would. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we're so thankful tonight that you've assigned angels to us. We're just so thankful. Let's say this with me yourself. Say this, Father, I thank you for the angel that's assigned to me. I release you, angel, to keep me safe, to protect me from all harm, from delivering me from every evil work, for knowing how to keep me sound, in Jesus' name. And I release you to do that. And I thank you, Father, for giving this angel charge over me to help me in this life. Now that's a start. That's all based on the Word. You can find other scriptures and begin to say that and, and maybe slow it down a little bit and be thankful. I mean, you know, our president's got uh, what are those guys call Secret Service. But they're only there to protect the president. That's their main job. And that's the angels in your life. They're there to protect you. So if you want to be ministered to for anything, come and line up. The ushers will help you. If you would like me to minister to you, I'd be glad to. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media 